Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you surely man? Welcome everybody to Monday's Second Captain's Football Podcast. Owen here with Murph and Ken. He's a statistician, really, more than a football commentator. And I'm gonna throw a stat at you Post right away. Expected goals minus goals allowed. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. Aston Villa, Ken, courtesy of their 4-1 trouncing of West Ham in the David Cameron derby yesterday. Mm. Remember that one from a few years ago? <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> no, I'll give you that one. Uh, you can see how you get confused. They have now made their best start to a Premier League season in 25 years. Unai Emery celebrates one year in charge tomorrow, having taken Villa from 16th place up to 7th last season into Europe. He now has them 5th, just one point behind Liverpool and only two behind the champions. Man City in 3rd. Hope I'm not bamboozling you with all these numbers. Uh, no, you can you it. say them again? Because I seventh, yeah, fourth, no, fifth, <laughs> third, second, third, three, two. We periodically get emails from Villa fans complaining we haven't given them enough airtime, so I just wanted to get that one in straight away today. Blues and Villa goalkeeper Dan Trembling plays in goal for the Blues and Tommy Jackson for the Villa. Fair enough. Peaky Blinders Yeah there were some Italian lads Coming to Birmingham To get revenge On the Peaky Blinders So that lad was being sent To ask questions to That only a Brummie Would know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's going on there Yeah okay, well. According to that show um, All football Between the wars Was fixed Oh yeah Apparently the whole, the whole the, Just the whole thing Was Had been arranged By these I'd probably check I'd probably get a second Source on that Rather than just Peaky Blinders To be honest Yeah I mean, I'm not telling you how to do your job, Ken. 
yeah. you know I mean I, I'm not going to join the the rising chorus of people telling you how to do your job well but. speaking of which Murph you have the opportunity to exact revenge on Ken's behalf against the Giles Dunphy Brady camp oh yeah you and Brady are going head to head for the on post <laughs> sports book of the year award the you shortest s- for which was announced last week you saw the photograph of course uh, can you have you tweeted this yet uh, well, we'll I retweeted. I retweeted. We'll put it out again today. Uh, it's amazing. It's Liam Brady looking. I, I I feel Liam Brady's pain here, looking up, 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 up at Kieran Murphy standing beside him for a yeah. photo shoot and laughing uproariously. Well, he did say something like, "Do I have to take a photograph with someone this tall?" I laughed, and then he laughed, but then it was. I didn't feel like it was the warmest laugh I've ever heard. Oh, I it looks it, like, no, it looks it in the photo. It looks very yeah, warm. Like you're getting yeah, I can't, I can't, well, maybe I'm just projecting, you know. I just kind of felt like he might not know much about me, but he knows that I'm linked in some way to Ken Early. <laughs> and that's all he needs. Uh, not for me. It's a this pu- big lad, not for me. It's a public vote. Our listeners have the opportunity to back their man Murph and by extension, their man Ken. Yeah, yeah, good. Oh, I like this. I like this. Yes, it's not just about me now. No, it's, it's about a vote all for of Ken us. against John Giles. That's what it this is, is all yeah. about now. So if you get onto IrishBookAward.ie forward slash vote, yeah, it's a proxy <laughs> war basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I may, um, you're a surrogate here, Murph. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm, one, yeah. I'm absolutely fine. IrishBookAward.ie forward slash vote. Go to the sports book category and hashtag vote Murph. And while you're on the internet, butt cheeks on my ass. We're now close. <laughs> okay. Excuse me? We're now close to capacity. At the, I guess that's because Paul Kimmage oh, was a guest okay. at our previous yeah, no, no. live show. Makes sense, we sorry. are now close to capacity at the National Stadium for our big Gangs All Here show on Friday, December the 1st. Thank you to everyone who has bought tickets so far. This is the biggest venue we've ever played. Comfortably bigger than the Olympia, in fact, where Paul Kimmage appeared. And there are only a handful of tickets left. So if you want to be there, Get those tickets now. Check out secondcaptains.com forward slash. It's a whole new uh, way of doing journalism. I said (laughs) second. Thank you, Eamon. I said secondcaptains.com. Not exactly the Anyway. Listen. Secondcaptains.com forward slash join. It's actually secondcaptains.com forward slash live. But you might as well also join the World Service while you're you're there. Live tickets is plenty of going on there. Report on sport, please, Ken. So so this is Will's best start since the John Gregory season, isn't it? Yeah, 98, 99. How can you be depressed on twenty grand a week? Was his mm. uh, was his um, deathless contribution to the lore of football uh, that season? Yeah, it all kind of went wrong for Villa that season in I think November kind of time. But until then, they were top of the league. That was after they'd sell Dwight York to. They were top United. of the league that year. Yeah, they were Ooh. top of the league. They were top of the league until like December. Wow. And then, then the wheels fell off, and they finished fifth. But uh, yeah, they're they're um, they're going great. You know, I mean, obviously they had uh, they had Sunday all to themselves. Was there some reason for that, by the way? What was it? I would say it, well, United Sheffield United didn't kick off till eight p.m., which would lead me to think Must that a, that's a European. Yeah, yeah. That so they would have been on. Man United, Sheffield United would they have been moved on. it forward for the championship. Uh, yeah, uh, Rasmus Hoyland playing his playing his former club. Of course, you'd be excited about that, Karen. Well, I'll be more than excited. Couldn't have Ken, I'll be yeah, there. at the game. Are you be there? I'm going to Manchester United against <laughs> Copenhagen in the uh, Champions League, yes, yeah. tomorrow evening. Which has now turned into a really big night in Man United's history with, you know, there'll be yeah, a, the a, a, lot of, news, a lot going yeah. on around Bobby Charlton. So yeah, picked a, an interesting there with, one there. With uh, Jamie Wall. Manchester top, sure Jamie will, top red Jamie Wall I'm sure Jamie Wall will keep his composure if Man United labour to a 1-0 defeat that's, against Copenhagen that's he, the form he, he won't he's call the players various <laughs> epitaphs yeah epitaphs yeah. but hang on Kieran I, I, although you know 
everyone's looking forward to hearing your Karen of Old Trafford. This is what always happens when we yes, talk about we Aston get Villa. Don't Someone we, yeah. starts talking about Man United or one of these types of teams, and everybody forgets about Aston Villa's powerhouse display, latest powerhouse display, uh, under El Dracula, as he's known. Come on now. Well, look, I didn't uh, mention this. I, I didn't. I didn't invent this. Rather. Um, Keen Fahi sent us a clip of like an Argentine uh, commentary on the game yesterday. Uh, it's actually uh, the Ollie Watkins miss in the first half, but uh, you can just hear the commentator. Uh, I don't know what he's saying. The only words I could make out were at the end were El Dracula, as it showed. Joe Unai Emery disappointed on the sideline. But you know. It's just people with that hairline. Yeah, but they just you, get a, and black hair, I suppose. But it's You're not, really it's not in, in my opinion, uh, Insulting, is it? Dracula's a glamorous figure. I mean, you'd play for Dracula. You'll see a lot of the Draculas in the next week uh, as we get closer and closer it's to Dracula Halloween. season. Yeah. He's it approaching the peak of his powers, <laughs> if anything. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of thought, wow, this is incredible. Like what Villa are doing, I, I'd had my appetite whetted for the game by reading Jonathan Northcroft's interview with Unai Emery, uh, where he got, uh, he sat down like Jonathan Harker uh, with <laughs> scribbling away in his little diary, yeah, and and he and he got to to hear a little bit um, of, about the methods of the guy who's who's transformed Villa. Oh, we know Murph's theory. As soon as you get one of these articles, yeah. it's downhill from there. Well, it wasn't down. I mean, it wasn't downhill. It would have been yesterday. Would have been the time to go downhill. He's, and he's playing Brendan Rogers. Many managers before have given all I would, their. Details I would say on that witchcraft is a foot. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing. It's only possible supernatural uh, reasons are a foot. And and to be fair, David Moyes and West Ham have have done this already a couple of times. This, I mean, they they beat Brighton, you know, incredibly at the time. I mean, a couple of teams have managed to do that since, but mm. it was quite surprising when West Ham did it. So. Were they going to prove an indigestible morsel for um, for Unai Emery's ravenous villa? <laughs> uh, no, it turned out. Um, so, uh, what was he saying? To, he, I mean, he talked a bit about the Arsenal thing and, and accepted that like part of his problem at Arsenal was his style of communication. Um, and he says that what he did was he went uh, and read. He, he started watching like loads of Netflix things in English. I watched All or Nothing with every team. Well, that's that's Amazon, to be fair. I watched American Football, The All Blacks, The Last Dance. Uh, I watched on YouTube a movie about Kobe Bryant. This is the puzzle I made in my mind. What is the way? Practice. Practice, practice. Kobe Bryant's message is that. Michael Jordan's message is that. Practice. Be demanding. Then get confidence into the players. How do you do that? Before, I was always saying to them, play confident. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm I'm on board with this, you know. Uh, I like when managers recognise that just telling players to be confident doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a lot easier. He says you have to feel confident. Confidence is not something you can buy in the shop. You have to build it, and the only way is to practice, be demanding, and think football. Football. Seventy percent of your life, every day, every week, every month, every year, has to be football. You're practicing, you're at home resting, you're with family, even if you're at a party or on holiday at the beach, you still have to be thinking about football. 70%, 70% isn't too demanding. Well, I mean, if... Uh, uh, 70% is a lot. Salary on hand. No, I, well, I was, I was concerned, but then he said the rest was a part. So straight away, if you're sleeping 10 hours a night, that's, yeah. what, 45%. 70% of your sleep should be about... 
No, no, you're getting 100% of your sleep is about football because you're resting because of football. And that's part of the oh, required so, so 70%. Yeah, so you're already up to like 45%. No. So after that then, sure, bingo, it's bango. Obvious that he means, it's obvious that he means 70% of, of conscious our conscious hours. Well, you have to be thinking about football. There's a lot of wiggle room. Is all I'm saying. Straight away, I'm picking holes in El Dracula's. I'm uh, picking large puncture holes in El Dracula's argument. He's trying to. He's it's it's guided discovery with these players. He's trying to teach. He's trying to get them to realize who do they want to play with. What kind of guys? Do they, I say, hey keeper. He says to Emmy Martinez, "Who do you want as center backs? They're going to choose the players they know will fight. Center backs. Who do you want in midfield? They will choose the players who fight." They don't want one player who's not thinking football, who's thinking, I'm going to go out later, enjoy life. <laughs> so that, he's, he's wiped all this out of it. But what's interesting about it is like, there's nothing really, I mean, aside from his, from his uh, Dracula you know, superficial resemblance, nothing I don't think especially kind of charismatic about Unai Emery or indeed original in what he's saying here about like, I... I, I I think it's important to, you know, it's like Michael Jordan says, practice, practice, practice. You know what I mean? He's not the first guy to say this. I think maybe an un- underrated um, contributor to what's happened here at Aston Villa is uh, their former manager, Stephen Gerrard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe that Stephen Gerrard was such a terrible manager at Aston Villa that the sacking of him was like a great moment of liberation for the club. Well, do you remember they, didn't they win 4-1 or something in their first game under the interim manager? Yeah. 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 It was just like, this is Just a, a release of pure joy and emotion. And I think that's a that's a, uh, a, a, a an instructive comparison with Emery's previous club, Arsenal, because obviously Arsene Wenger had become a controversial figure in his last few seasons at Arsenal. I mean, we you know, Arsenal fan TV had become this huge phenomenon just by years and years of people uh, screaming about Arsene Wenger after most Arsenal games, right? So obviously loads of fans were really angry and boiling mm. with resentment towards Wenger, who they saw as this stagnant figure who was holding back the whole club. But they also loved him. You know, I mean, uh, everybody basically loved Arsene Wenger at Arsenal because he was a great manager for Arsenal. Everybody knew this. So it made it so traumatic. Yeah, it was like, you know, when it it was like a dad. You've fallen out with your dad kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you're full of bitterness and rage, but but it's mixed in with love. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, and and then when he's gone. You feel bad about hating the person. You know, when when you finally kill him off. Yeah, yeah. You know? Or he dies, can you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in in Arsenal's case. Well, yeah, really. So I snapped and I killed him. Well, in in Arsenal's case, they they killed him off, right? And then. Oh, they felt conflicted about it. They felt bad about it. Yeah. There was guilt. There was there were still emotions that needed to be worked through. There were people who were like, I can't believe our club would sink to those depths. Yeah. I can't believe we would kill our own father like this. And others were saying, no, you know, we had to, to go. He had to go. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely, I'd do it again. But you, you kind of felt they were overcompensating a bit. You know, they, they, they were trying to repress their own doubts about the, the parasite. And so... Uh, that's not a great situation for the next manager to, to walk into. Everyone's feeling conflicted. There's a lot of unresolved issues. Uh, the team, by the way, is still not very good. And you yourself uh, are mainly notable for the comedy catchphrase that you say, which is your mispronunciation of the words, good evening. Right now, it wasn't a propitious set of circumstances. Uh, sorry, it wasn't a what? Propitious. Oh. Word of the day alert. Propitious. <laughs> 
Is, is, it is propitious, isn't it? I mean, I think so, yeah. I think, I think so, too. I've only like ever it. seen it written down. <laughs> does, does anyone say it? Propitious. Propitious. No, no, it's definitely propitious. <laughs> propitious. <laughs> it wasn't a propitious set of circumstances. But it couldn't be more different than Aston Villa. You had Steven Gerrard, who was just such a misery, really. You know, he was a, he was a misery. Like, it. There was all of these things going. He was fighting with the players. We looked all over the place. Oh, you know, you, you can't win anything with defending like that. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's just this kind of baleful stare of his, and this kind of everything kind of was personal, and everyone just kind of felt. Oh, and I was sort of like, does he really even know what he's what's going on here? You know, and and obviously the fans turned against him in rage. It wasn't that Stephen Gerrard had ever done anything for Aston Villa in his career. I mean, he would talk about Liverpool. You know, as the Aston Villa manager, or remember his famous Chelsea will come, should come here. They ought to be wiping the floor with us. <laughs> you know this kind of stuff. So it was when he, when they got rid of him, it was like unanimous. Yes, you know we're we're free. Aston Villa is free, and now we can move forward. And who's this new guy? Seems great. You know, <laughs> come on in here, you know. And he comes in and just takes over and. It's a, and, and he's he's like just a no-nonsense, serious football guy who knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to be like some like Mourinho-type impresario. He just has to be like a serious, competent, driven guy who everyone is ready to, everyone's ready to go, yes, this is... And like, it, it just has been a, a train that's taken off. It's got no brakes. What's the ceiling, I was going to say, just to mix metaphors a little bit here? Champions League qualification? Oh, definitely. Well, they're in, they're obviously in the the mix for this. But I mean, if you look at what what they've done, they also remember they lost uh, Emi Wendia at the before the start of the season. He was he was out. He's got like a long term mm. injury. Mings, I think it was the first game. Uh, yeah, it was. A, I think it was the first game of the season. Goes down with another long term injury. He was the captain, right? So these are massive injuries um, in terms of the squad because because Wendia had played in I think every game. Uh, not not started every game, but I think last season every game he featured. So you know it wasn't like he was some fringe player. There had been that whole situation though with Coutinho or Buendia. Remember, because Jared had signed Coutinho, which was obviously a, a bad signing. Really, I mean, it was. Uh, I'll bring him back, and he'll be the same as he was in 2013, 14, with playing with me. No in time. <laughs> We've all moved on. You know, it hasn't. Uh, he's not the same as he was. Uh, and then there was this whole, well, should it be Coutinho? Should it be Buendia? Are they too similar? Turns out now it's neither because both are injured. Um, but uh, but maybe they're better off, actually. The type of game that they're playing at the moment is really fast, really powerful. Maybe, in France, the fact that, that uh, he used Buendia in every game suggests that he would have found a use for him. And I'm sure it would be good to have a player of that quality. But they've kind of moved to a new... I mean, they've got Moussa Diaby now, who they didn't have last season. And, uh, yeah, they're looking so strong. I mean, if you look at their team, they have eight players who've started all nine matches, which is pretty consistent. Uh, and then Martinez has started eight. Um, Torres has played in all nine, but he came on as a sub in that one for Mings. So eight outfield players have played. Eight outfield players have started every game. Torres has started every game since the injury to Mings. Pau Torres and then Martinez missed one game so that's not uh, 10 players uh, that's a pretty subtle team so obviously the things that can go wrong is say something happens to Ollie Watkins or Lucas Swedes but you can say this about anyone I mean you know it's like uh, any any team's star, star performer gets injured oh that's not going to be good you know 
Um, so there's no stopping him. There you go, Villa fans. Well, it's going, it's going well. But, but you know, don't forget the role that Stephen Jarrett played in this. You know, by <laughs> just he gathered it all upon himself, and then there's a bit of this probably with Ange at um, Spurs as well. After, yeah, Conte and Mourinho a bit before that, and then Espirito Santo, a different character, but not a very, not a very inspirational one. Certainly during his time at Spurs, they were just waiting. It is more obvious charisma, I think, probably to Postecoglou. Seems a bit cut from a different cloth to a lot of managers, but yeah, same kind of vibe. It's always I, good when supporters. It's, it's, it's de- a decent place to walk into when they're just. Everyone's like the last times. guy was a dick. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We're, we, you know, we're, so he so, made us sad. Please make us happy, new manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, so yeah, that's uh, that's Phil. That's all going well. And, and I should say that also, Louis, Douglas Louise has scored in six the last six home games. I think seven goals. Um, only three of them are penalties. Himself and Kamara look like the Arsenal-Chelsea game is on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Again, not a great game. I mean, I, it wasn't a bad game, I suppose, like in the sense it was it was two all. Sounds quite exciting. 2-0. Come from behind. Come, yeah, come from behind uh, Arsenal equaliser. Probably better result for Arsenal than Chelsea, you know, considering oh, yeah. uh, well. the, the way the game went. Yeah. You know, because it seemed as that was going to be Chelsea's breakthrough. Finally, finally, we've done it. Finally. And then, No. You've actually won. Is it one of the last one of the last twelve games at home or something? Great, some some ridiculous uh, run they've been on where they they just can't get a win. Um, but the this this is a game with the three most expensive players in the league, and Luis and Kamara looked at least as good as these guys. You know what I mean? Like Caicedo, uh, Fernandez, Rice was probably the best. I mean, Rice obviously got the you know the important goal. Go finish that. It was a really good finish. Um, there was the the main thing that struck me about the game was I mean I was watching on on Sky, uh, just all the whining about the goalkeepers from Gary Neville, who just hates goalkeepers. I saw you writing the Irish Times. Has there ever been a worse time to be a goalkeeper? Well, it's true. Like I mean, how, how can you blame Raya for that goal? Like how can you blame Raya for for this freak goal that Mudrick scored? It's not his fault. Like. I mean, that, that, like, who's going to save that? And if you were standing in a position where you would have been able to save it, what are you doing standing in that position? Like, do you not understand the game? Like, they're, they're talking about, he, he was criticizing Raya. Oh, he's come out, he's come out from beyond his front post there, you know? Like, as though he knew anything about this. Why is he doing that, though? Well, supposedly, didn't the Chelsea, didn't Pochettino or somebody on the Chelsea side Tommy say Jimenez. that actually that actually we had coached this that we knew not necessarily well they are trying to say that Mudrick was going for it but basically they said that they spotted a weakness mm. of Raya in that he he can be kind of lobbed like that not necessarily into the net but ball, he can come to the near post balls go over the, him so that, aim, yeah. it, aim it high they were, they were saying basically put it over him because yeah. why? because Raya what's, the, what's one of the things about Raya where, where we just talking about it to Lars um, was it Lars who was mentioning this last week um, his his figures on on claiming crosses are better than Ramsdale, better than a lot of other keepers. This is why, like, I mean, he kind of goes aggressively, positions himself to try and cut out crosses, and that's what he was doing. So, if Chelsea are saying, "Okay, well, he's going to do that," let's lob it over him. That might give him a problem. Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, definitely, they weren't saying try and score from there with that type of shot because that's impossible to do. Like if if Raya would still do that again a hundred times out of a hundred in that situation because he's like, okay, let's see if you can score again from from, from doing that. Like it was a complete 
it, it wasn't a shank, but like it was <laughs> in the way he was attempting to do that. You, you can't score like that. I mean, you can't. Well, Georgie Hadji, 94? Yeah, Georgie Hadji was from. Georgie Hadji was from. Uh, Further out the field. Yeah, yeah. He, and he, wa- he wasn't. Uh, Georgie Hadji hit a different type of shot, which was, which was a deliberate shot. I mean, he, Georgie Hadji was going for that. But it wasn't like this on the run across and you curve it with the inside of your foot and somehow drops into the far side of the corner. It's just a freakish. Like, I mean, come on. Just on the goalkeeper thing, has there ever been a worse time to be a goalkeeper? I, I think there's never been a better time to be a goalkeeper. Why? Because they get to actually play football now. Yeah, but rather than just I mean, be stuck in goals, you if you, and if you can play football, that's a, that's great news. If you can't yeah, really but, play football, uh, yeah, but you're coached to do it now from a young age. Yeah. You're not you're not a goalkeeper now if at, a, at anywhere near the top level if you're not training like that all the way up and not decent to begin with on the ball. It used to be you're thrown in. I used to like being thrown in nets and just games and peas stuff. But a lot of people hated it and would only go there as a last resort. But now I would imagine as a kid, especially coming up through the levels, it's like it's so much responsibility on it. You're a playmaker well, you're like and a you still get to do all the other, the, the other bits like saving shots and so on. So I think it's a great time to be a keeper. Yeah, now I, I think, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that they are being asked to do more or they're more active the, in the game than they have been before or they're, they're, they're a bigger part of the game. But I still feel as though they get judged like really harshly for like every mistake like every time like say say for instance the Raya thing not only is there no allowance made for the fact that it's clearly just a freak ball which flies in you know which like it's going to happen and it's like oh this is you know he's he's flapping he's becoming emotional like as a Raya's having some breakdown he's then criticized for his completely normal positioning which he's actually doing for like for a good reason which is not being recognized then there's the howler by uh, by Sanchez uh, howler, you know, because he passes the ball, tries to pass it to Conor Gallagher, who seems to have fallen asleep. Declan Rice is more alive to what's happening, anticipates it, nips in front of Gallagher and scores again a brilliant shot. I mean, this one at least was deliberate, but like it was a great shot. Um, oh, and, and this guy, well, you know, you really blew at that time. Yeah, they Sanchez. get criticised, but they've always, keepers have always got criticised heavily and they've always been in a pressurised situation that's unique to them more yeah. so than other than other positions. So they've always needed a certain type of... You don't have to be crazy to be a goalkeeper and yeah. so on, Ken. So I, I still think you need that. You need to be able to withstand all that to be a top quality goalkeeper. And as I said before, you still get to actually play football now as well. But I think, right, a goalkeeper would never previously have done what Sanchez did because their whole mentality was get that fucking thing, get rid of that fucking thing. Like, you know, the, your man Brian's good. I mean, he, he's like... He's a master. I mean, he's yeah. He's he's probably the most influential person working in football today. I would say. Yeah, but he just did one recently of the uh, just goalkeepers welling the ball out. Like did you see, <laughs> it, it is poetry, that, yeah. like absolute seventies or eighties keepers just drop kicking. You know, eighty yards. Literally, <laughs> like trying to give themselves a hurry. Well, that's the next tactical reinvention is for modern day goalkeepers to go back to that. Yeah, really I mean, I've up. seen Ederson do it a few times. Right? I mean, he kind of he can do a decent uh, sort of drop kick like that. But, I mean, that's, that, that was just the whole thing. Just get rid of this thing. Whereas now, you have to pass the ball out, and that increases the risk of something like happened to Sanchez happening to you. I mean, we saw a similar, not exactly the same, but Alisson obviously had the situation. Onana in the Champions League against um, Galatasaray. I mean, you can think it's happening all the time. Like, this is one of the main goals now. <laughs> like, it's kind of... You, there, I do wonder sometimes if 
if it's gone, if maybe they're getting the risk calculus a bit wrong here, like how can it be? There was the Brighton one against uh, Liverpool, Verbruggen passing it out to to Gross on the edge of the box. This is all just in the last couple of games. Yeah, but you're mentioning right. you mentioned Edison there, for example, right? Allison. These kind of goalkeepers are lauded in a way they weren't before, and I'd guess respected by teammates in a way they mightn't have been previously. Mm. You just sort of be, oh, the goalkeepers just doing their own thing, and they're a bit of a weirdo, and we'll tolerate them as long as they keep making saves. Whereas now, I'd imagine they're top top man on campus. Yeah. These lads, Ederson and and Allison. I think there's a there's a vaunted status to the goalkeeper now, yeah. and obviously with that is going to come criticism when you get the passing side of it wrong. But the rewards are high. If you get yeah. it right. Well, Big Pete, Big Pete was the most respected goalkeeper before, I believe. Big Pete, uh, David Seaman, some would say, but I always felt Big Pete's better. Michael, yeah, Michael respected by his teammates. Don't know, <laughs> don't know how liked he might have been. Nobody liked him. <laughs> <laughs> you may not like me, but you will respect me. Uh, but actually, I'd say. 25% of the respect that accrued to Schmeichel, most of it was because of his bear-like, polar bear-like uh, demeanor uh, and, you know, saves and so on, some of which were stupendous. But I think there was probably 20 to 25% had to do with the way that he could throw the ball sometimes to start a counterattack. You, do you remember the one I'm talking about? The yeah. kind of massive overarm S- throw. Sling it out to the wing and he'd get it around the halfway mark. Yeah. And, and off goes Andre Kinchelskis. Everyone's like, whoa, did you see that? That's amazing. Schmeichel, whoa. And he sets them off so quick. So he was kind of doing a bit of that. Yeah, but it was almost like some, but with, with his hands. Yeah, only with his yeah, only yeah. with his hands. You never really saw him do, do it with his feet. But definitely people, people liked that aspect uh, of what he did. Goalkeepers, eh? Can't, rare, li- can't live with them. <laughs> a rare breed of... So, uh, what else is going on? on obviously, the Brighton uh, and Man City were playing in the the uh, the most exciting tactical game. You know, everybody loves uh, everybody respects Pep Guardiola. Everybody loves mm. Roberto Deserbi. They love each other, judging by their pre-match embrace as well. Oh, I've never seen Pep lavish such love. About oh, I have. I, don't, I have. Who? I've seen him lavish. I mean, what's your what's your man's name? The the guy he signed and hates. Um, Described him as the best player of the world. Like, uh, oh, Nunes. Nunes. No, I've talked about as a, an opposing manager. <laughs> um, uh, serious embrace, serious respect going on there. He, he often is is talking about uh, managers' courage, but maybe he didn't use that key. When he talks about courage, you're like, oh god, it's been five nil. I don't even need yeah. to see the score. Um, well, in this case, uh, everyone is excited to see what will Roberto De Zerbi uh, cook up to um uh, you know to to quell this man city storm and the somewhat surprising answer was he's going to put James Milner at right back to play against Jeremy Doku man half his age and uh, and I just wonder when is why do James Milner's managers always keep wanting to sacrifice him to the Man City winger god? Like I've seen this happen so many times. It's like a, it's like an annual like a harvest festival. Milner will be like drag out the, the oldest man, man in the village and have him gets burned brutally. Uh, you know the the youngest the youngest uh, man in the village is going to just have his way with him in a brutal <laughs> way for forty five minutes until the manager takes it off. As though the manager's going, actually that was a mistake. Uh, and that, which is what happened here, but not before. How do you think Milner 
uh, has managed his career has lasted as long. This is literally witchcraft again. He just has to go through one forty-five minute spell against a Manchester City winger every season, and that buys him another season. <laughs> this is not happening. This is a blood sacrifice. He's yeah. sacrificing his own blood for himself for, for, his a, own for a, one more Premier League season. Well, so I, tell me if if James Miller laces up his boots next season in the Premier League, look back to last Saturday, three p.m. to three forty-five p.m. That's how that's how he does it. That's how he's doing it. And I, I think I think that must be it. Because otherwise surely Milner, a man of vast experience and great standing in the game. You know? I mean he is a he's a he's a legendary footballer at this stage. Surely he has the status to speak up and say, "Boss, yeah. you're making a mistake." Well, never mind that. Do not I mean, do the this first, to me. The first session on the on you know of the week, and he, Milner is like being like kind of guided out towards the fullback position. He's like, ah, just my hamstrings, just a little. I'm just feeling it a little, boss. It it's was, kind of one of those five six day jobs, but yeah. I just don't think I'm going to be fit. This weekend, we've seen Foden demolishing him before. This time it was Doku, not Grealish, of course. Grealish at least managed to get on in this one, replacing Doku for the last fifteen minutes. But there's a bit. This situation is a bit is a bit strange. I think. Um, remember that when Grealish arrived two years ago, he kind of struggled to establish himself for a while, which I think everybody kind of thought was. Was not it wasn't hugely surprising, even though he arrived for a lot of money, because this is like a kind of a high spec team. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you, that Pep wants to, you know, drill into you before he considers you fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, and maybe there was going to be a, a settling in period. Fair enough. And then he he did eventually settle in. Certainly since the World Cup last um, uh, last year, he was playing great stuff, and now he's back where he started. The only thing, the only difference is that now, the guy who just arrived is in the team. The guy who just arrived is in the team ahead of him, and I wonder how Grealish is. Fe- well, I, I mean, I speculate as to how Grealish feels about we, this. We, we, you don't speculate because Grealish talks quite openly about his difficulties over the years in betting into the Pep Guardiola system and how he feels somewhat stifled. But that's what you have to do. Jeremy Doku doesn't seem too stifled. I'm not seeing Doku doing too many of the backwards passing that was a feature of the first season that Grealish was there. He's doing presumably what he was brought to do. Yeah. Uh, just absolutely having a go. Well, it's maybe it's easier when your director bonus 37 years of age. But by the way, poor old Ashley Young, maybe the only outfield player older than James Milner in the Premier League. <laughs> I think Milner's older. Getting but, sent uh, off. No, Ashley Young's Ashley older? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. No, Thiago Silva. Oh, yeah. Silva, I think they were saying he's 40 years of age he's, he's only 39 <laughs> he's not 40 yet he's getting there yeah but Doku very impressive very direct yeah and he's scoring goals I mean he's, has he scored two goals so far three assists um, including one against Brighton and I, I imagine this must, must be very frustrating for Grealish not just because I think a lot of people look at it and think well this is Pep's revenge for Grealish's holiday jamboree. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like where, where Grealish was just having an absolute whale of a time for however many weeks it was, and Guardiola, he's not really a, that kind of guy, is he? Pep. I mean, I know he he will grab a cigar and pretend to have a beer at the Oktoberfest and so on. Yeah, but he's not really a, a hedonist, is he? No, no hedonist. 
You're doubting yourself now. I would have said hedonist. Hedonistic. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say hedonistic. Hedonistic is definitely. You're going to say hedonist. Yeah, but that's not really Pep's vibe. So he, I think he probably was looking at Grace thinking, mm, yeah, I know you want to let your hair down and all that, but really, you know, really, uh, whether or not that's playing into it. And I think lots of people, I think definitely that, that's the impression I immediately have when I look at it. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one who kind of thinks that, which I'm sure annoys Grealish because obviously he wants to think, look, I'm a footballer and I'm I'm 70% football during this football season, but then I'm 100% relaxation during the non-football season. I'm entitled to do that. And, you know, it's not fair. And I'm sure he, he gets really annoyed when people suggest maybe Guardiola was looking at some of that stuff and thinking, really, Jack, he said, you know. But the other thing about it is that Guardiola literally reprogrammed this guy to be like uh, a more boring version of himself. You know, talking about how he, it's important to control the games and we need to keep possession and it's about keeping your head, it's about keeping the ball and it's not about trying to do magic, Roy the Rovers type stuff, you know. That's all. He needs to forget all that. He needs to, it's all about the team and all this. And he's been replaced by a guy who's literally like a cartoon footballer, you know, who's like, just give me the ball. I'm just going to dribble past people and score, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and Grealish is sitting there going, hang on, what about the, what about the balance? Like this guy doesn't, you know, he's just, he's just bullying through the defense. What can I say? He makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Guardiola's there. Yeah. You know, great, uh, great game, Jeremy. Oh, Jack here. We need to, we need to save Jeremy's legs. You can go on for 15 minutes or so. I think this is a... This is a painful situation for him, you know. But look, what can he do? He's he's getting paid paid plenty of money to do whatever Guardiola tells him to do, and if that means sitting on the bench, then uh, I guess that's what he's going to be doing. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B two B either. That's why if you're a B two B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. So I went to Ireland and I had a famous press conference where they wanted to know everyone in the world and not got the job except me. And um, got on with the job then. I had thoughts on international football, how we should play. 
Everybody played the same way in the world and went to the World Cup in Mexico. They were like peas in a pod. They played through a playmaker. They all played a sweeper. They all played possession football. And nobody would commit anybody for it until the playmaker was in possession in a good area and then they would commit themselves a little bit. And I thought, well, we can't enter this fray with the Irish team and play that way because it'll take us years to catch up and produce a team with the quality that they had got, the type of game they played. So we introduced a game like we play the ball into the corners, condense the areas, put them under pressure and play from there. And it worked a charm. It wasn't a knockabout, take your time game. It was a rush game, more of the sort of game that the Irish expected of their own Gaelic players. You get the ball forward, you compete, you chase people, you close people down, you create excitement, you win balls when you shouldn't win balls, you commit yourself to the game. A lot of the pundits didn't like it. But the teams that we played against hated it. They never experienced anything like we dictated to them. I mean, Ireland actually beat Brazil. Not many people know that, but we did. Okay, it was at Lanzon Road and it was 1-0. But we beat Brazil and we've beaten every team of any quality in the, in the world. Brady again. Yes! Have I missed football? Yes, I have. I miss the involvement with the players because I'm not really a manager, I'm a coach. I miss it when I go to a football match because I've nothing to go to the football match for. Unless I'm supporting the club. I love the North East clubs, I'd like to see them do well. So I'm on their side. But I've nothing to look at and see. I've no player to watch. I've no analysis to do on the game. I've no notes to make. I've no preparation to do for a game that's coming up. I've no young lads to have a look at or try or to talk to or to try and bring through. But then I look at it and I'm 62. The team needed to be restructured and rebuilt. And when you've been there 10 years, it's, that makes it that much harder. I'd done me bit. It was time for me to leave. And I suppose now, after 10 years, I'm as much Irish as I am English. I am now an Irish citizen. Not an honorary. I'm an Irish citizen. I've got my passport. My wife's got a passport. I've got a house over there, I get back and forth whenever I can. I love the place to death. Are you looking forward to Rome now? Yes, yes, we want, I promise to take Mick to Rome, we'll take Mick to Rome. And listen, have you a preference again? We asked you before, Italy or Uruguay? I'm not really bothered. We're there, we're in the last day for the first time in my history and it's magic. I'm, I'm delighted <laughs> for the lads. Well done, congratulations. Yeah. Cheers, Thank you. And good luck to the people back home. Right. Hope have a good party. <laughs> that audio bed never fails to get me, especially in the circumstances today after the news at the weekend that we mentioned of Bobby Charlton passing away. Um, will we give the Jack Bobby Sports Personality of the Year award clip a run out? I think e- so. everyone's heard it, but why not? When we were kids and we used to go to the park and play, I would go home for dinner and he'd stay on all day. Bobby Charlton is a, the greatest player I've ever seen. He's my brother. What's most poignant about that one is it's a rare moment of public warmth between them in later years. Their relationship, as you know, wasn't good for decades, sadly. There's a really good segment in the Finding Jack Charlton movie. Just watched this bit again today about the day they managed against each other. Bobby with Preston, Jack with Middlesbrough, after which Jack goes to the boot of his car. (laughs) Pulls out a pheasant and a hare to present to Bobby, much to his brother's bemusement. Saturday, Jack Charlton and Bobby Charlton meeting for the first time as managers. The game has been billed as the Charlton War. I've asked for Jackie and Bobby to come along. 
there's no war between me and our kid. There's no war. I always wanted to go into management. I'm not sure that our kid was prepared properly for what it was like to make the decisions. <laughs> You've got a license for them? Of course I have. You want hanging for a yeah, week? Yeah. Don't okay. do anything with them. You can do hair either. Yeah. Leave that hanging as well. All right. Well, I'll see you anyway. See you, Robert. See you soon. See you Different personalities, I think you have to say. Bobby and Jack there. What? <laughs> Leave that hanging for a week there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Have you got a license for that? Doesn't even sound like a joke by Bobby. Yeah, I think yeah. he's like, are you supposed to be going around with these things in the <laughs> trunk you of your car, Jack? Uh, yeah. Just boot full of carcasses. Yeah. We will cover Murph's trip to Old Trafford on the World Service during the week, Kieran. Mm-hmm. We're fucking idiot! Your adventures in Manchester. <laughs> there might be a bit of that. That, that was Jamie it's... Wall, by the way. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was a slightly different clip we played of Jamie. <laughs> Every bit is angry, though. Fair play to everyone who subscribed to episode with Richie Sadler in the last week. That first conversation with Tommy Tiernan went to number one in the charts. If you haven't heard it, it is on a separate feed to your usual Second Captain's Pods. Just search episode with Richie Sadler wherever you usually get your podcasts. And the second episode is out this coming Wednesday. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. And thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kieran, I think you are. Thanks, Kent. Sign up now on secondcaptains.com for only a fiver a month plus fast. The Second Captains podcast is part of the AKS Creator Network. Post shots expected goals minus goals allowed. <laughs> It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.